everything has to be done according to the Spirit of the Lord. And how many of you know that God wants to direct your life? I want to introduce a couple of friends of mine that has been there for me when I went through some very difficult times. And I want you to know that uh, they mean a lot to me. And, and I talked to them a few weeks ago and said, hey, I'm going to be speaking on the 14th and like for you guys to come. And they came. Gene and Kathy Veach, stand up. Yay! And next, we have a celebrity here. Huge, big time. In 1975, in 1976, where's Brent? Brent, what happened in 1975 and 1976? Come on. They did what? Yes. And one of their cheerleaders is here today. Is that cool or what? Diney, where's Diney? Got to go get her? Oh my gosh, we're not going to hold the show. Anyway, she was a cheerleader um, during the, the 75 season and the 76 season. I said, did you get to go to the national championship game? She said, absolutely. So she was there with pom-poms and her little cheerleading outfit and I sure wish she would come back in. There she is, Miss 1976 cheerleader for IU. Yay! Oh, that's awesome. Um, it's happy Valentine's Day. How's come some of us don't feel so good about that? Pardon? Perfect. It's, it's true, though. Come on, isn't it? I mean, sometimes we as, or you, you as women, that about come out wrong, we as women, you as women say, when's he ever going to get it right? I told you it isn't so happy for everyone. When's he ever going to get it right? You know, we've been together for 30 years, and I swear he has no idea who I am. He just doesn't know who I am. And then, now, so we as men, we as men go, what did she get me flowers for? I'm not a flower kind of guy. I'll, I'll have her chocolates, but get me some tickets to a ball game. Give me something like that. You know, it's amazing how that we as men and women uh, view things differently and go about to sometimes, whether we know it or not, create the circumstances that will make me the most happy, the happiest I could be. Did you hear what I said? We think about, we even plan, we even looked within our relationships with the other person to see how that I can nudge her or him into a place that I can find happiness. 
Beg your pardon? Please tell me not a basketball game. <laughs> we do that. You know, it's just a characteristic of us as men and women. It's, I heard a, a woman say one time, she said, when is it going to just be about me? Always. Yeah, when can it just be about me? And what I'm going to talk to you about today is you can say, uh, well, what did that guy talk about this morning? You can say, well, you know, he talked about a hodgepodge of things. And I, and I do. I want to talk to you about a few different things. The one thing I want to start out talking to you about is husbands and wives. Husbands and wives. And if I said to you, describe to me scripturally what verses, what chapter, what book would best describe a husband and a wife relationship. Who, who has an answer for that? Beg your pardon? I can't hear you. Loud. What scripture would you use? Proverbs 31. Yeah, that talks about, that's true. That's right, George. It talks about the righteousness of a woman and, and her value what she provides, what she does for her, um, for her family, the importance of her in her role. But let's go New Testament now. Second Corinthians. What? Real quick, just a, what's your thought on that? Tells you how to love your wife. Second Corinthians. What chapter? 10 or 11. Anybody else? There's one I'm fishing for. Come on, Mike, where you at? What am I fishing for? Which is? Okay. But that's still not the one I'm fishing for. Well, what, what other? Come on, say it real loud, Bill. And why do you say that? It does. It describes, starting with the man, how that he is to love his wife. And you find as you walk through that scripture that he's to love his wife as himself. And then it describes later on in that chapter how that the wife is to love her husband. And we're not talking about how to love. We're talking about how to love successfully. And you all look at me and say, you're one to talk. <laughs> what? And uh, I've never let a little thing like that stop me before. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but something happened to me in a wedding about six years ago. was invited to a wedding, and it was a Hoosier Harvest Church. And a lot of the, the folks for the groom and for the bride, I, I had no idea who they were. I was just invited, that's all. And since I didn't know anyone, I sat, kind of like where Bill is, towards the front, but on the end, by myself. 
And when the music started, the craziest thing started to happen within my spirit. And the Holy Spirit really, truly, I'm telling you this, really, truly spoke to me and said, watch real close today and learn. I want you to watch what's going to happen today and learn. And I said, okay, Lord, I don't know what this is about, but there's surely something here for me. So in comes the groom and the, the minister and, and his uh, entourage, those that are a part of uh, the wedding on his side. And then comes the maid of honors or uh, whatever, whatever you call them, bride's bridal party. They come in and they looked absolutely beautiful. I said, oh my gosh, Lord, the guys, they look great. They've all got on tuxes. She looks beautiful and he looks interested. And, um, but when she started coming before or up towards the front, I started getting a really sick feeling. I became very nauseated. And I thought, what's this about? This is troubling. And so the wedding started. And of course, the minister didn't really say much. He basically handed the marriage back over to the groom and the bride and let them celebrate their promises and the importance of each other to one another. And as they were doing that, I just felt worse and worse. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, keep listening. Keep listening. And there were some promises that he made to her. And I thought, oh, don't say that. Really, it's what I thought. I thought, oh, Lance, don't say that. Because you're probably not going to be able to deliver. We make, we, aren't we there? And we, we start out, we promise the moon and the stars for the other one. How that we can make them happy, but really, if we're not careful, what we're saying is, I want to try to make you happy, so I ultimately am the one that finds the happiness. And then she began to speak, and she began to talk about her love for him and how they had met, and how deeply she had grown to love him and appreciate him for who he was, <laughs> and all I could say was in my heart and my spirit was, don't say that. Stop. I wanted to say, both of you, stop right now. You're digging the hole way too deep. Don't talk about things that you can't deliver. Then they started to talk about Ephesians chapter 5. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church. Wives, honor your husbands. And it, it's kind of a, 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 of a tag team kind of thing where uh, 
It's talking to the man. It's talking to the woman, talking to the man, talking to the woman, and talking to them about their responsibilities to each other, right? And as they were doing that, and I didn't have a Bible on me, but I, nevertheless, I knew the scripture, and uh, I was going over it in my mind as they were reading each verse, and all of it just kept saying to me was, I wish they wouldn't say anymore. Just say, I'll do my best. I'll do my best, and I'll love you. And you're, you, I, I can hear some of you right now say, now what's he saying? What's he talking about? I'll just do my best. I'm saying, do your best with what you think that you have within you, the strength that you have within you, but rely and depend on God to minister to you and to teach you and to guide you how that you can touch your wife. It's the only way it can work. It'll never be because of what you have said and you declare. And wives... The only way that you're going to really be able to love your husband, appreciate him, and to honor him, that he knows that you have the Spirit of the living God is that you gain your knowledge and your leadership from God himself. I had dinner with this couple about six weeks after their wedding. And by the way, this is, I thought this was so awesome. This couple had been going together, not for a month or two, but several months, maybe even about a year. And at their wedding, when they was finishing it up, and the minister says to him, uh, Bill Willis, you may now kiss your bride. Her dad, the, the bride's dad, come forward and said to the audience, they've never kissed before. They've never kissed before. And the kiss that they're offering to each other, they wanted it to be special. And they wanted it to be thought of in a very divine way. And boy, did they kiss. Woo! That was one of those kisses that had been pent up for a long time. You guys know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Said, whoo! It was beautiful. It was great. But as we went down through this scripture, and, and every time I would uh, uh, rehearse a verse in my mind, and I would look at them, and I was saying, don't say no more, don't say no more. Quit making promises you know, that you can't, uh, can't deliver, that you can't keep. But they went right on, just like we all did, just like we all do. And then at the end of that, something happened that knocked me almost off of my chair. I didn't see it coming. Remind me, I want to get back to this dinner I had with them about six weeks later. I'll go ahead and say it now. About six weeks later after their marriage, I was invited to their home, the, mo the, the mother of, and dad of the bride, and uh, 
the groom and the bride were there. And this was a large family. They had about six kids. So we were gathered around this table. And I said, uh, something really crazy happened to me at you guys' wedding, at your wedding. And uh, I said, you know, like, how so? I said, well, I'm I'm just going to tell it to you exactly how the Lord proposed it to me and spoke to me. And they said, okay. I said to him, I said, when when you came out and you looked great and everything, it was awesome. The bride came up and she was absolutely stunningly beautiful. I said, when you guys started speaking to each other on behalf of each other and for one another, you started making promises. I said, I had the worst feeling in my stomach. I said, it was awful. And I don't suppose any newlywed couple wants to hear something like that, right? Oh, I've attended your wedding, and boy, it was the worst experience I think I've ever had. I assured him, I said, it wasn't that. I said, the Lord was teaching me some things, and I had to get the lesson kind of under a difficult circumstances. And I said, um, I, I really wanted to say to both of you, quit digging the hole deeper. Just say you'll do your best. Say I'll love you. And wanna, we're going to hang in there together. And I'll try to bless you. And you can try to bless me. Shish, boom, ba. You know, let's go. I said, until we came to the end of that those passages of scriptures that you were talking about. And Paul said this. He said, behold, I show you a mystery. He said, I'm speaking concerning Christ in the church. Of what? I thought you was talking about the husbands and the wives. And he said, no, I'm speaking to you a mystery. It's something that you can look at from a position of a husband and wife. And yes, there's good instruction there for the husband how to treat the wife. And yes, there's good exhortation for the wives how that she can respond to the love of her husband and not get her feelings hurt. All of that is in there, but that's not what he's talking about. And I turned to him. He was from northern Indiana. His folks lived up northern Indiana. And I don't know that if she had met his parents more than a few times. Now, the, the, uh, the groom had got the chance to work alongside of the bride's father. And he was very diligent. He was very, very diligent to speak to his new son-in-law-to-be that was coming on board about Christ. He wanted to make sure, first of all, that he was a born-again Christian. And then second of all, does he understand what the will of God is and does he understand how to pursue the will of God? And I said to them now at the dinner table, I, I, I called his name and I said, now you have had the privilege of being around her parents for about a year now. 
you got a pretty good idea of what you're going to get. Right? I said, you're going to have a pretty good idea of what you get, what you're going to get. I said to her, I said, you've met his parents, and you've been around them a few times, but you don't have a clue. You don't have a clue what you're going to get. And there's a lot of times, I told him, I said, there, there's a lot of times I hear people say this because I used to pastor in California, and there was a lot of times that marriages were uh, being fractured. They were, there was problems that came up, and there was, uh, 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 there was difficulties uh, that, that rose, you know, and um, you hear statements like he, he would say, well, if I would have known that about her, finish it. I'd have never married her. And then you hear the women say, well, if I knew he was going to do that. Yeah. I heard a precious little girl this morning. and See, I, I think it was, maybe I didn't hear her, but somebody was saying, she was saying, uh, you know how love is so grandeur and wonderful and something about her daddy toots in the bed with mommy when she's there. <laughs> I thought, oh, Lord. Might ought to just keep that to yourself. And he might need to know that's really not cool. It may seem funny to you, but it's not really that funny. Come on, girls, can I get an Amen. Yeah, my daddy, he sometimes toots in the bed when mommy's in there. Oh. <laughs> that, that's the human element of us. But he says, he says, I've heard it more than once. If I would have known that about her, if I'd have known that about her mom and her family, I'd have never married her. And she says the same thing. Oh, my gosh. I'll just use my... You know, my dad's name was Delbert, and I uh, heard my wife say, okay, Delbert, you know, that was awful. Couldn't have cussed me out any worse. You know, call me by my dad's name? That's the all-time low. But we'd say, we'd make statements like that. If I would have known. Now, let's take this, this scripture. Let's think about our mistakes. Let's think about all the things that we've encountered and all of the things we've learned from. When Paul said, Behold, I'm showing you a mystery, he said, I'm speaking to you about Christ in the church. That sick feeling that I got and that I had throughout that whole service, immediately when I came to that verse, it left me. I wanted to jump and start turning cartwheels. And they would have thought, man, this is the happiest guy that, ever, that I've ever seen at a wedding. He hardly even knows them. And he's one to turn cartwheels. It wasn't about them. The church is the bride of who? Christ. And Christ is the 
husband, if you will. Here's the catcher on that. Do you know that when Christ called you to be a part of the church and you accepted him as Lord and Savior and you become a part of the wife, guess what? He knew everything about you. If I would have known, I'd have never married her. If I'd have saw that side of her, I'd have ran the other direction as fast as I could run. I didn't know that. But catch this. But Paul's saying, Christ did know every little nuance about you, every disgusting, every wonderful, everything that could possibly be. He knew, he knew, and he knows you better than you know yourself. And I think he looks at us as the church, as the bride's life, and he's saying, they're not all of that, but I can work with that. I got somebody here I can work with. Girls, maybe he hasn't been Prince Charming. But I think if you'll really look, and we really lay down our ammunition, you got something there to work with. So many people bail out today. They just bail out when things get tough. They're ready to move on. They're ready to make statements like, I don't have to put up with that. That's the way her family is. That's the way her family is. I didn't know it then, but I know it now. And she says, he's just as disgusting as his dad. You know, no respect. Where's a thank you once in a while? Where was it that you ever noticed sometimes as men when there's, you've got uh, four little kids and the husband and the wife and, and there's five cookies left? Who most of the time is going to be the one that doesn't have the cookie? Who? Mommy. It's amazing. Suddenly, it's her favorite cookie and she says, I don't like those anymore. You know it's not true. But we as men, we're happy to uh, indulge her. We're happy to, oh, you don't? Okay, I'll have that. Great, I thought they were your favorites, but apparently not. Sometimes all we're looking for is to know and understand that we are accepted, that we are accepted. <laughs> you want to come up here? I'll let you come up here and preach this. She's into it. What I'm trying to say to you today is if you're looking for your joy to be fulfilled out of him and you guys if you're looking for your joy to be fulfilled and sustaining out of her it's going to be a tough life. But when you each one please get with me on this if you each one can just think back of that mystery that Paul was talking about, that Christ knew everything about me and he still chose me. Huh. Huh. 
can that happen? Because I know the disgusting things that I've done. I know some of the things that uh, I was a part of. Now it's a long time ago, but nevertheless, you know what? Do you know when it was that the Lord saved me? It was when I was in the very depth of the things that I was doing, the things that were wrong. I thought, well, shouldn't, shouldn't we have to get better? You know, shouldn't we have to get better before the Lord so the Lord sees that there's something there to work with and there he can love me? Uh-uh, it doesn't work like that. In fact, Apostle Paul went so far as to say, and you hath he quickened who were dead in your trespasses and sins. You were so far engulfed with what was wrong in your life that we didn't know the difference sometimes between come here and sick them. And yet, the Lord looks down the person of Jesus. He says, right there's a guy I can work with. That's, that's a woman right there. She'll do just fine. Somebody might say, but you don't know the stuff. What about, uh, uh, there's so many different scriptures I could get into, and I'm not, I'm not going to do that. Uh, do you know that I had forgot that it was Valentine's Day? It's not really a problem. I'm not married. But uh, I had forgot about it until this morning. And uh, and I started thinking about, as they were singing and the music was going forth, I started thinking about all the times that birthdays and Valentine's Day and special days like that to wives became a great disappointment. And I thought about men, about how that it was their special day. And all they both really wanted is to be able to say, she gets me. Or he gets me. Isn't that really what we want the most? Is he gets me. I'm not saying, she's saying to herself, I'm not saying he gets it all right. I'm saying, he's a trier though. The guy, the guy tries. You know, and the guy says that about his wife, if she's putting her whole heart into it, she's trying. And we've just got to know, and we've got to remember and realize how that Christ loved the church. That's the biggest Valentine's of all. You know, the, one of the simplest thing on, on a Valentine's, one of the messages that comes on those little hearts that you see made up every, every year, and one of the, the simplest, I think, most profound statements that, that we can have and that we can feel is when it says, be mine. Huh? Be mine. Not that I can own you and control you and manipulate you. No. It's so that I can know for a surety that you're not perfect, but you're trying your hardest to get me. And she's saying the same thing. I don't have to have, I don't, I don't need perfection. Did you know the scripture says that a willing heart is what? First, huh? You know, Bill? 
It's first acceptable. That's what's, what's acceptable. When a person of the opposite sex, when that person who is your husband or who, your, who is your wife that you're joined to, when you are just put your heart into it, it's amazing how the little mistakes and the little things that irritate, they go away. They go away. Forrest Gump said one time, so that's all I got to say about that. <laughs> but I do have a couple more things I want to talk to you about. What time is it? Oh, Paul said I had an hour and a half. I'm going to try to make... I feel just like testifying to you, witnessing to you. And maybe it can be used in your marriages, and maybe it can be used in your relationships. But I want you to know that a lot of times when our problems, we go through them, we go through them um, as a team, as a husband and wife, and, uh, and if you're not married and, and you're alone, you still are on a team, Right? And, uh, and Jesus is the one we're trying our hardest to listen to. He's the one that we're trying to pattern ourselves after. To. We, know, after we know that he is a, not only a wonderful example, he's the perfect example of how that we should be. But I want you to know, there, are, there have been some things that's happened in my life that has been hard to understand and hard to deal with. But, the end of it, Turned out to be awesome. Turned out to be awesome. And it turned out to be one of those things that I said, Woo! If I had to do that again, I'd take off running hard as fast as I could. I do not ever want to go through something like that again. But then in the same breath we say, But I wouldn't trade what I went through for anything. Huh? Wouldn't trade it for anything. I guess I'm feeling a lot of direction this morning towards a younger crowd, a younger group, maybe a group that feels a little bit disenfranchised. You don't, you don't know, you, you really don't know who you belong to anymore. Do I belong to this group? Do I belong to that group? I'm, I'm not sure where I fit in. And because we're somewhat disenfranchised, we just draw back and... We don't participate on the levels that we could. And, but when you're in a relationship, when you're married, there are some things that you're going to go through if you put your life up before the Lord sometimes that's just going to be staggering. 1982. There was a little church, a little group of brethren. I was living in California. That was building a church in Piedmont, Missouri. And I went and visited for a week what they were doing. And when I came home, I, I told my wife, get stuff packed up. I feel like the Lord wants us to go help build that church. I don't, I know we don't have any money. But the Lord's going to take care of us, and I really feel like he wants us to go help build that 
church, church plant. Okay. So we had this yard sale and we got rid of things. We got uh, down to the things that we thought were necessary, you know, like the furniture and stuff like that. You got to have that when you go to the next place. And, and so we had a U-Haul, uh, one you drive, and, and, uh, and I had a little beat. 510, I think it was, Dotson Station Wagon, blue. And we had everything packed full, and we were coming across the country, coming out of California down through Arizona, and we were uh, in New Mexico, and uh, I was driving the U-Haul behind. Some of you have heard this. Um, I was behind, and I started noticing out of the back of the car a strange, different kind of exhaust that I'd never seen before. I thought, oh, what's, what's that about? I wonder what's going on. That's... And we drove a little further, and the exhaust now that was coming out was becoming thicker and thicker and thicker. And finally, I looked down at my speedometer, and I'm going like 35 miles an hour right up on her bumper because she was driving the little car. I was in the, in the U-Haul. Uh, and, uh, and I could barely, I, I wasn't as far as from here to that wall back there, but I could barely see her taillights. It was, I thought, oh, Lord. We had like $400. Like $400. Well, I, I, I think I'm saying this, and I think I'm trying to explain it to you, is maybe as husbands and wives, maybe as families, you're going through some really hard times, but it's through the hard times that you can see the greatest things. Come on. Things that, if you had to explain it, there is no explaining, Lucy. Lucy, you got some explaining to do. I flashed my lights, got right up on her, pull over. So we pull off the highway. It was awful. What was coming out of the back of that car was, was just like a huge fog. And I said, oh, Lord, what are we into here? I haven't got any money for this. Pop the hood. I said, pop the hood. I checked the dipstick on the oil, and I thought, this doesn't look good. I pulled the cap off of the top of the motor where you pour oil in, and all that was in there was this brownish ice cream-looking froth. Can anybody guess what that was? That was water in the oil. Yeah, head gasket. I said, Lord, we're stuck in Tucumcari, New Mexico. I've got three little kids, and my wife then was pregnant with our fourth, our daughter. What am I going to do? I was telling Bill and Sandy about this the other night at the ball game. We were in between free throws. We was preaching back and forth. Um, um, I said, Lord, what am I going to do? And I thought of some scripture. 
James said, is there any sick among you? I thought, oh, blue sick. So I'm called for the elders of the church. I ain't got a cell phone. Didn't have cell phones then. And besides that, they're all 1,500 miles back behind us. Let them call for those of the church and let them pray over them, with uh, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord, and the prayer of faith shall save the sick. <laughs> so that's this car's only hope. And I looked around, and there was a little grocery store a few hundred yards down the street. I said, just keep the kids in the car, lock it up. I'll be right back. I went down to the little grocery store up and down the aisle and I found a, about a 12 ounce bottle of virgin, I think olive oil. And I thought, well, virgin, that's got to be good, <laughs> you know, virgin olive oil. And I, I bought that and, and I thought, Lord, the whole way back to my car, I thought, this has to be the dumbest thing I've ever done in my life. But my back is against the wall, and I've got little kids, and I don't have the money. You know, a lot of people say, oh, we were hurting my wife and I, and, and we needed, uh, we needed a, a new stove for the kitchen because the other one quit, and, or, the, or the wash machine quit. And man, I just cried mightily to the Lord, and nothing. Well, maybe that's because they had $2,000 in their bank account and was too dang tight to let go of it and go buy your new wash machine. Go, come on, think about her. We're just too tight and we want to involve the Lord in our tightness because we call that frugal. Just being smart with God's money. And that isn't really what we mean at all. I had nowhere else to go. Got back over to the little blue car. Popped the hood, took the cap off. I put my hands on that manifold, started praying for it. When I was praying for it, I dumped that whole bottle. I thought, well, if a, you know, I come from the school, if a little bit's good, huh? Finish it. If a little bit is good, yeah, a lot is better. Lord, I'm doing this in the name of Jesus. Heal this car. Bottle's empty, push the hood. I said, start her up. Didn't even know if it'd start. Started. I said, take off. I'll, I'll be behind you. She started out doing about 35 mile an hour. And the exhaust was terrible. How many times do we know that when we're called to prayer over sometimes and some things, there's just no place to quit. You know, well, I, pr I prayed. Well, maybe we still need to be praying. And uh, she drove four or five miles, and I looked down at the speedometer, and we're doing about 45 mile an hour. If I didn't know better, I was talking to myself before the Lord. I said, Lord, if I didn't know better, I'd swear 
that that, uh, that exhaust is going away. She drove three or four more miles and she's doing about 50. And we still got a fog coming out the back, but I can see the car clearly. Probably within 10 miles, there was no more exhaust and she was doing the speed limit. She was doing the speed limit. We still had probably another 12, 1300 miles to go just to get to our place of where we felt like God was leading us. See, when God's leading you, it doesn't matter about what you have. It doesn't matter if you have enough in your tank. What matters is, is that you're concerned and your heart is to do His will. We got to Piedmont, Missouri. Drove that car for a year. For a year. Whoever had to do anything to it. But Lord, you truly can do anything. I'll tell you something funny. This is, I hope, hope this does for you what it did for me. When I was in my early 20s and I was studying all, all, all the time, you know what? Mike back there reminds me of me when I was younger. You hungry. You're just looking for somebody to have a Bible discussion with anytime, anywhere, just somebody. You know, I didn't have an agenda. I didn't have a point. I just wanted to know, what do you know? What, do you, what are you seeing that you can help me with? Because I wanted to be a preacher. I did. I wanted it. I desired it. I prayed about it. And after a couple of years of that, I had four or five old widow sisters from the church where I went. Brother Billy. <laughs> One of them said, Brother Billy. I believe that the Lord has showed me that you're supposed to be a preacher. I said, I think so too. I said, will you just keep praying? Yep, and I'm not the only one. All of us, we think you're supposed to be a preacher. Well, let's pray. Well, that wasn't answered in the next six months. There was a few more years went by. And at that particular time, I was painting. I had my contractor's license, and I was a painter, and, but I always knew that God wanted, to be me, wanted me to be in the ministry. And this little town that I was painting the school, I, I did the whole contract for the whole outside of the school. And uh, when I was driving home, uh, I went all by this little white building, and it, uh, all the thing it said didn't have any times, didn't have anything on the, uh, on the side of the building, no church name or anything, but there was one of those like sandwich boards. You know what I'm talking about? Sandwich boards, it's like a, uh, what am I trying to say? Huh? Yeah, yeah, like an A-frame, thank you. And uh, on this board that stood about this high, it said, Revival Tonight. Revival Tonight. <laughs> 
all come. And it had a time. And as soon as I saw that, I thought, oh, Lord, what's going on here? You got something else you want to teach me? All right, I'm your guy, I'll go. So I went home and I called a couple of my friends, and one of my friends, he was a preacher, good little minister. Oh, man, I used to love to hear him preach. And, uh, and he, knew, he, he knew that I desired the ministry and that I'd been praying, but there had never been a release. You know what I'm talking about when I say a release? There's just never been a release. And what I'm talking about when I say a release, I'm talking about the Holy Spirit making manifest to you in your spirit, hey, it's on. It's on. But I talked to my friends in. I said, come and go to this revival with me. I have no idea about it, but I feel like the Lord wants me to be there. And fortunately, both of them said, okay, I'll go. We went walking into that church. Well, before that, we got out of the car. And as soon as we got out of the car, man, I could hear the piano just banging. They'd already started. When I say banging, I thought that that piano was going to dance cross floor. And it was an all-black church. I said, Lord, <laughs> what do you got me into now? I don't know, but I like it. I like the way this feels. And the Lord just spoke to me and said, well, just be ready. Just be ready. I never preached a sermon before. I had no idea how to put something together. And, and, and even today, I'm very reluctant because this is, uh, you know, the scripture says to be careful how that you um, walk. I think he's talking to the ministry on the foundation of another man's ministry. You know? Paul and Vicky have, uh, along with some of the rest of you that's been here from the get-go, have poured their heart into this. Right? Can't you see it and feel it? I do. And I would be, I would want to be the last person that would bring an offense between the leadership and you. Be careful how that you build when you're talking about another man's foundation. So, I'm very reluctant to get into real doctrinal issues and things because that's for him to teach. And that's for me to honor. And God expects that out of him. I'm filling in today and, I'm, and I feel good. I love this opportunity. But anyway, I walk into this church with my two friends, and we're the only white people in there. Ooh, the little gal that was the pastor, she had a, a bed sheet, or it was a tablecloth one. And right in the middle of it, she had cut her a hole about like that. She could put her head through. And it drooped down and swayed down, and she had sequins. Am I saying it right? Sequins? Glitter all over it. She had her little white beanie made. And that white beanie had glitter and, and sequins on it. And I thought, uh, uh, this is going to be interesting. And so we just, we walked in. And here was the funny thing about it. Every one of them, was, oh, that's a long way down. Every one of them was sitting on one side of the church. There was no one on this side of the church, but this side of the church was full. 
I thought, well, that's interesting, but we'll sit over here. <laughs> Not because of racism or anything, just because it was full. I literally had them packed in there like sardines. And so, so we sat down, and as soon as my rear end hit the seat, I started feeling and experiencing the presence of the Lord unlike anything ever before in my life. Holy smoke. I thought, Lord, what is going on here? And the Lord just spoke to me and said, you just sit there. I got something going on. I'm working something out. And you just watch. So I was sitting. My friend that was the little preacher was sitting here. I was sitting in the middle. And John, the other guy with us, was sitting there. I said, uh, pray for me, Alan. <laughs> I said, pray for me. And he looked at me and he said, okay, I am. <clears throat> the phone rang in between songs in the back office and you could hear it. You hear the phone ring. And here she goes with her gown and cap on. She goes back and, and a couple minutes later, everybody's just kind of sitting there waiting to see. She said, now our guest preacher from South Africa, they're coming from Hanford, and from Hanford to Wood, uh, Woodville was a good 50 miles. Said, they're having car trouble. <laughs> They're having car trouble, so we're going to just keep right on going and keep on singing. And then as she told him that, as she walked forward, she leaned over to us. She said, uh, are you preachers? <laughs> I'd never preached before in my life. And Alan just kind of looked at me real quick, and I said, yes, we are. I said, yes, we are. And um, she, she stood up. She said, come on. Oh. So there was a, like five chairs behind the pulpit lined up sitting. And so Alan sat to my left. I sat in the middle. And John, he sat to the right. She said, now they're going to be here in just a little bit. They're just having a little car trouble. We're going to sing a few more songs. And we may have even a few testimonies till they get here. Well, I think the Lord's got something going on here you don't know nothing about. But uh, so they started singing again. And it was glorious. I mean, you have never experienced glory, hallelujah, till you've been in an all-black church that knows how to do it. You're talking about raise the roof. I can't dance, but I'll try. So anyway, um, they sang their, uh, a couple more songs, and they called, literally called on a few people to give the testimony, and you could tell they weren't ready. They just said, I'm just thankful to be here, and I'm thankful for all what God's doing, and he's helping me and providing for me. Amen. Sit down. That happened two or three times, and it got quiet again, and that phone in the back rang again. It rang again. Excuse me. 
She goes to the back, and uh, she answers the phone, and she comes back in. She walks up to the front now, and we're sitting right here. She said, well, the car trouble that they're having is a little bit more than what they thought, but they are on their way, and we're just going to keep going until they get here. Okay. She did this. She turned around. She walked straight over to my friend Alan. And she said, Brother, do you have any teaching, a witness that you want to give? And I'll never forget it. See, Alan was in tune with what the Spirit of the Lord was doing. Guys, when you're, uh, uh, it can be that way with your wife. She can get in tune with what God's doing with you. And guys, you can get in tune with what God's doing with her. That's when you really know that you got something going. I suppose looking back, that's what I probably was not that good at. But she leaned over to Alan and she said, Do you have anything, a witness, a testimony you'd like to give? And, and I'll never forget it, he just went... He just looked at me straight at me, and he's looking in my eyes. And by that time, I felt such an awesome presence of the Lord. I thought I was going to bust. I thought I was going to just... And I had a hold of the arms of my chair so hard, I was literally just trying to hang on. And all that was, all that was happening and everything that was going on was it was one verse of Scripture after another, a verse here, a verse there. I wasn't opening my Bible. It was all that that had been going on for four or five years. All that preparation, uh, Mike, that you're going through. All that thing, all of that that God has been witnessing to you that you're supposed to get, the messages that you're supposed to get. It's a coming. You hear me? Mike, do you hear me? It's all right. I don't know how. I don't know what it's going to look like. It's coming. He looked at me and he never said a word. He just looked back at her and he said, no. I don't have anything. She leaned over to me. She said, do you have a word? A witness? I'd never preached before in my life. I said, yes, ma'am, I do. She said, come on. And the scripture that God began to lay out, and it was, it was in a story form, and the things that he was beginning, that he was teaching me to tell them. It was almost more than I could handle. It was almost more than I, it was, it was happening so fast, I couldn't get it out. Fast enough. Just, what do they call that, rapid fire? It was how the Lord was just unloading in me, and I, I was just trying to speak. How many of you know that scripture says, if any man speak, let him speak as? Come on. Huh? Anybody? Huh? What are you saying, Angie? If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. In other words, speaking his message. If God's called you into the ministry, it's not to speak your message. 
It's to speak his message. If God's called you into loving the body of Christ through service, it's not about you. It's about serving others. That's when it becomes successful. That's when it becomes something greater than yourself. And I'll never forget, about 30, 35 minutes went by, and it was just rapid fire, just rapid fire, one verse of Scripture after another. I, I probably went 20 different places, and the word of the Lord says this over here, to do, to do, to do. And, um, and I felt the Holy Spirit just all of a sudden just go, it's like exhale. And I looked up out the window, and here come a car. Pulled in. It's about five or six guys got out of the car. And the one was the guest speaker. I thought, well, he don't know it, but God already supplied that. My message to you this morning is a couple of different messages. One, happy Valentine's Day. Love your wife and do for your wife or your girlfriend or just your best female friend. Things that you really, really have studied on and you think she would like. And also for the husbands and for the wives. Same thing, guys. Brooke, you can come on up. Same thing. How many of you know if we put our heart into it, it sure makes things run better, doesn't it? If she looks at it and says, well, it looked like he spent about five minutes taking care of this. Or she says the same thing. Holy, he, does, he doesn't even know. I'm surprised he knows my middle name. So happy Valentine's Day. And then my point of, of my own experience with the Lord and and getting into the ministry, is to know that you're called. When you know that you're called, be ready and be willing. Be ready and be willing, and God can lead you and put you into the most crazy kind of situations, and it'll be good. I cherish that night in the beginning of, just a second, that night in the beginning of that little church in Woodville, California, that those folks took me in and honored me and allowed me and gave me the opportunity to experience something I'd never experienced before and I've never been the same since. Never been the same since. What, sweetie? Yeah, you got to stand up. Well, I, uh, I just we wanted to try good. to minister and teach and say some things to you. That was middle of the road. I didn't want to try to get into anything doctrinal. That's Paul's job and uh, anything that would be life-changing or altering. But I will say this, to accept and embrace Jesus Christ and to hear his call and to come and accept that call, that is something that is so precious and, and, and important that anybody can do. Anybody can do. I'd like to, to offer that to you right now. If there's anyone 
that you feel like that the Lord, come on, let's stay in the spirit of Valentine's Day. If you feel like the Lord has been courting you, huh? If you feel like he's been courting you, paying some special attention, you feel like that he has been noticing you more, That's the Holy Spirit saying, come, come. And so while they're singing this song and being blessed, uh, we're going to uh, pray over the, the bread and the wine, which are the elements that represent the, the body and the blood of Christ. We're going to pray over those. As Paul so aptly says, if you are part of the body of Christ, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ and you've accepted him as Lord and Savior, Paul always says this, by all means, come. Come. Even if this is your first time here, but you are a Christian, you've, you know the Lord and the Lord knows you. Come. Come and be blessed. Father, we present these elements, this broken body and spilled blood, the wine and the bread that uh, represents what you did for us. We ask you to bring to our heart and to our mind a revealing of everything that you did for us and your undying love. When we were nothing and had nothing to honor or offer, you called us forth and you said be my valentine be a part of me I love it that a valentine is shaped in a heart so come and observe what the Lord has done be blessed love him and honor him and if anybody would want special prayer or something hang around there's people here that are very very capable of ministering to you This is 
today let's pray father god in heaven we just um give you all the praise today god thank you so much for the truth that bill spoke today and god i just pray that um god by your testimony god we're overcome and i just pray that um as we leave this place we just have those things in our heart god and we can share them um god and invite others to come and experience you um god thank you so much we give you all the great um the praise and the glory and the honor it's in your name we pray amen, amen. have a wonderful week